Hello, bridesmaids and anti-heroes and all the ships at sea, and welcome to A Very Good Year, the movie podcast where we invite a guest to pick their favorite year of movies and talk to us about that year. Uh, I'm your host, Jason Bailey, and across the mic and across the country from me is my co-host, Michael Hull. And our guest today uh, is a film critic and an award-winning podcaster and author. Uh, her many hosting credits include the WNYC film podcast Movie Date, the CNN movie podcast Lisa, Sandra, and Kristen Go to the Movies, Newsweek's The Royal Report, Stitcher's How to Be Fine, Audible's Romance Road Test, and the chart-topping Movie Therapy with Rafer and Kristen. Mike, we thought we were doing good with, like, two shows. <laughs> She's also a regular contributor to NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour and the author of the books So You Want to Start a Podcast and How to Be Fine. Friends, say hello to Kristen Meinzer. Hi, Kristen. Oh my gosh, I am so pumped to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I am so excited. This is something I have wanted to do ever since I first heard your show. So it's it's such an honor to be here. I just love the idea of your show. I love the format. As a film lover, we all have favorite years and it's so fun to be able to come here and talk about one of my favorites. Well, thank you for, so much for coming on the show. We were so, so glad to uh, to have you and to hear. So tell us what what movie year did you choose to talk about today and why did you want to talk about it? Well, first of all, I have to tell you, it was a toss up because originally I was like, OK, it's got to be one of two years. It's either going to be 1980, which I also call the year when women tried to take what was theirs and men decided they'd rather die in a hedge maze than let them have it. <laughs> That's 1980. And I think you know what movies I'm talking about. You know, The Shining, 9 to 5, Private Benjamin, and so on. Um, but my other favorite year of movies that I wanted to talk about was 2011, which I also call the year when women were also allowed to be man babies. And so, you know, I, I talked with you both about these ideas. And you said, you know what, let's go with the man babies year. So we're going to go with that, 2011. She's such a professional podcaster. It came with a title baked in. <laughs> this is, you know, this is somebody who's on the job. She knows what she's doing. Okay, well, sort of help us help us with where were what was your sort of where were you as a movie goer as a critic? Uh, where were you in your movie going life in 2011? Sort of help us situate it because when we have a guest who was alive when the year uh, happened that they chose, we always kind of like to get a, get a, a sort of a biographical background moving oh, in. Well, 2011, I was. A young 30-something lass working as a film critic at WNYC. I was also uh, co-hosting the film podcast Movie Date, which you mentioned. I was seeing sometimes up to 10 movies a week at the time. And it was a year where, um, you know, I, I was single at the time. I was singling. I was mingling. I uh, – in in – in New York City, I don't feel like I was a late bloomer by any means, but, you know, friends in other parts of the country were already married and having kids at that point. Oh, sure. And so, you know, depending on how you looked at what women were at the time, you could see us as, you know, late bloomers, people who were failing to adult, people like me who didn't want to grow up, people who... I, I think some people thought I was living a sex in the city life, which I'm like, you're 10 years behind that. No, I'm not living, I'm not living a sex in the city life at all. Sure. No, but, um, but I think it was a time where there were questions about like, what is a woman of this age at this time in her life? Is she somebody who's living her best life? Um, you know, or is she somebody who is being left behind? And I think there were a lot of questions about that and that it was a time to start exploring that in media after we had given way too long, in my opinion, to the idea of man babies and failure right. to launch and bromances between dudes who just didn't really have jobs, but just got stoned all the time. And it seemed that we had a good five to 10 year run of men being able to be that in the movies. And around 2011, women, we got to be that too. And I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I like that women can be a lot of different things, including man babies. Right, exactly. Um, all right. Well, before we get into sort of these trends and and the films that prompted them, uh, Mike's going to take a look at what was happening uh, in the world around the movie theater, some of which involved some man babies and some women babies. Here are headlines. Either this is the first Arab revolution of the 21st century, or it will be brutally suppressed. Tense new beginnings for Tunisia. It's Arab neighbors nervous of how revolutionary feelings could spread. 
Mubarak deposed. Egypt's 18-day revolution defies all expectation. Rarely can a military takeover have been greeted with such enthusiasm as it is on the streets of Cairo tonight. The Libyan revolution of 2011 was about one thing above all else, removing Colonel Gaddafi from power. Today concludes that revolution. January 14th, early in the year, Tunisian President Zine al Abidine bin Ali fled to Saudi Arabia and Tunisia became the first government to fall in what became known as the Arab Spring. You remember that? When like Mark yeah. Zuckerberg like tried to tell people he was gonna like solve the world problems remember that Arab Spring? Yeah, that shit yeah, was awesome yeah yeah, yeah oh, it, it's it, it was at the time it certainly seemed a good thing um if we've learned one thing from this show the things that start out seeming like good things usually don't turn out that way i just remember being on twitter a lot for the first time in my yes. life twitter suddenly <laughs> yes. became so important Everybody mm-hmm. was on Twitter and we could all say it was because we cared about the world. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> February 11th, Egyptian President Hosni Mubarak resigns. Like, that's an unalloyed good, right? right. It hasn't worked yep. out, but, you know. <laughs> February 15th is yeah. the It hasn't worked out easily, I guess. February 15th sure. is the start of the first Libyan civil war. Muammar Gaddafi would be DED before the end of the year. Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Uh, yeah. There's a great podcast called Real Dictators that has an excellent series on Gaddafi, how he came to power, how he held on for so long, and the deal with his all-female bodyguard units. Did you know about those? I, I did not. Yep, he had all wow. This sounds like something from a Van Damme movie, though. It's, so. But it's super true. His personal bodyguard, <laughs> I, they might even have called him Amazons. Uh, but yeah, Real Dictators, good podcast. March 6th is the start of the Syrian civil war and fighting against the tyrant Trustafarian and one of the worst Nepo babies on earth, Bashar al-Assad. <laughs> all right. Really shitty guy. Uh, that yeah. has turned into sort of a proxy war situation and is uh, terrible also. But again, like this is all like that's by March. I mean, that's, you know, when it's right. sort of called the air, you know, it's it really it felt like a moment. You know, it really felt like something was happening. Yes. In April was the Guantanamo Bay file leak when WikiLeaks released 779 classified documents that revealed more than 150 innocent people have been imprisoned at the U.S. military base, including some as young as 14. But it's okay because as soon as as soon as that broke, they all got out. Right? We 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 solved the Everything problem immediately. Everything got fixed immediately. Right? right? Yeah. Mm. We, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Google Earth. <laughs> <laughs> they have blacked out the uh, they've blacked out the prison because. Yeah. 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 Uh, so we're garbage people for that. The president of the United States will announce in just moments that the United States has the body of Osama bin Laden, that Osama bin Laden has been killed, and that the United States is convinced that it has the body of Osama bin Laden, the mastermind of 9-11, the architect of al-Qaeda. And we don't know the details. We don't know how this came about. But we are told now by several sources administration sources and congressional sources, that the administration is now telling senior members of Congress and telling others that it believes it now has, it is convinced it now has, the body of Osama bin Laden. In May, U.S. Special Forces killed Osama bin Laden and several of his family members in a raid on their home. Uh, We have a tendency to be pretty hard on our government on the see the previous news item here on a very good year, but I think we can all agree on this one, right? No, look, give it up for the yeah, Grim Reaper. Yeah, yeah. Give it up for yeah. give it up for death coming for for OBO. Yeah, no problem with the double tap on that one. Uh, yep. On May twenty first, remember this Iceland's most active volcano, and I'm going to pronounce it wrong, but I'm going to say it anyway because I have guts. Grimsvatn began erupting uh-huh. and messed up travel plans all over the world. Do you remember that when there was like oh, the big that cloud smoke was and, everywhere? Yeah, nobody, nobody could. could Fly. fly to Europe. Yeah. As far as your as far as your pronunciation goes, Mike, I feel like with this with this realm of the world, as long as you say it with the kind of conviction yeah. you did, no <laughs> one's the wiser. Like you put you put your chest in it there, I think you're fine. A little bit of throat. Uh, so that was May 21st, and then on May 22nd, an EF5 tornado hit Joplin, Missouri, killing 158 Jesus. people and injuring over 1,100. Right. Good so that's Lord. like the next yeah. day. I got to okay. say, I grew up in Minnesota and tornado drills were a daily thing in school growing up in the springtime, but it was never that bad. Oh, everyone's raising their hand. Kansas, we all had tornado no. drills. We all Wichita, had Kansas. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Definitely the, the, tornado I mean, drills. A tornado could come at any second, literally any second. Absolutely. That's how we, that's how we grew up. Yeah. Totally prepared for it, but never as bad as that time. Never yeah, as bad exactly. as the Missouri ones. Yeah. Then in exactly. June of that year, so like two weeks later, the 
Huayahu volcano in Chile did pretty much the same thing that was going on in Iceland, only in the southern hemisphere. And at that point, Jesus. people started talking about dinosaurs like we were next. <laughs> like some cautionary tale shit, you know. Yeah. Uh, in yeah. Norway, a piece of shit white supremacist who will not be named on this podcast murdered 69 people, most of them children at a youth league camp, because his ideology is vacant and worthless. Yeah, no, yeah. no, no love for that guy. Uh, in September was the start of Occupy Wall Street. Remember that? Where great fun was had I by do. all. Oh, yeah, yeah. Zakati oh, wow. Park. Yeah, who's your leader? People were so mad that there wasn't a leader. <laughs> who's your leader? Making lunch uncomfortable for the traitors. <laughs> yes. yes, that was great fun. Uh, October thirty first yeah. was the date chosen by the UN as the moment when there were seven billion people on Earth. Jesus. Yeah, so shout out wow. to penicillin and uh, vax docs for that little milestone. Thank you, vaccines. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. That's pretty good. I yeah. love you, science. NASA launched the <laughs> Mars rover. Can I get a USA? USA! USA! I mean, USA. like having a, a like, remote control car on Mars, that's pretty, That's an, I think that's good. Yeah. I was really uh, pumped no, that's, about that's that. Who, who wasn't, dope. though? Didn't we all love yeah. that? Yeah, I think yeah. we can get behind that. Uh, in yeah. December, Liechtenstein became the 26th member state of the Shenzhen area, and I point that out only because I doubt any of you could find either of those things on a map. I think you're just flexing that you can pronounce Shenzhen area. <laughs> I didn't see. I just screwed it up. That's all I got. All right. North Korea knew him as the dear leader. Around the world, he was reviled and feared in equal measure. Kim Jong-il, leader of North Korea for the past 17 years, has died of a heart attack. And finally, Kim Jong-il died. So that makes bin Laden, Gaddafi and dear leader all in one year. So it was a... Wow. You wow. Know, yeah. Three man babies gone. Yeah. Three... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, babies. Bye. Bye. See ya. 2011 saw the coining of the word blockchain and the invention of a whole new kind of douchebag. Yep. Still don't know what that means. Still don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Not a clue. Not a clue. Something to do with NFTs, no idea. right? No. Crypto, I don't know. You know, None. CrossFit, maybe. None. Who knows? Oh, the best yeah. people. Yeah. Uh, 2011 was the original initial release of Minecraft. I feel like this is when millennials really took over because Gen X people <laughs> don't know anything about this game and feel like millennials <laughs> down like know it, but like back there, the back of their hand, yep. right? Yep. Yep. Oh, yep. Yeah. Lots of people were born, but they haven't been alive enough to become interesting or famous yet. So we'll talk about all the people that died. <laughs> okay. Peter Yates, director of Bullet, the Steve McQueen version, right? Hell yes. yes. Hell yes. Peter fucking Yates. Yes. Peter Yates. That that indeed. R.I.P. Pour one out. Fitness guru Jack LaLanne. And a lot of people made jokes like, oh, I guess all the jumping jacks did a lot of good. But he was 96. He won. Fuck you. <laughs> yes, he did. And he was yes, ripped. Did you yes. see what he looked yes. like? Even in the end, it's yeah, like yeah. this guy could like lift eight people above his head with one finger. Yeah, he could. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so he won. Jack LaLanne. Neil Young. Wait, what? Neil Young? The the Manchester City soccer player. Try to, oh, God try damn to keep it. Up. <laughs> Okay, I was like, that's, Mike, you are not prone to errors in this segment. I was like, Neil Young is alive as hell. What, what are you talking keep about? Up. Uh, Black uh, Panther Party feed mar- Field Marshal Donald L. Cox and uh, Geronimo Pratt both passed in right. 2011. Uh, Bruce Campbell. Um, hold up, hold the, f- I just saw Bruce Campbell at South by Southwest. The 87 year old Canadian politician. He had a long career, Jason. <laughs> Jeez, damn it. God. You're slow today. Right. Uh, Nate Dog, right. peace be upon him. You know, right. singer of I Got Hose and I many do. other songs. Uh, Al Israel, who played the guy with the chainsaw in Scarface. <laughs> right. And the other parts. Yep. But like, you know, that's the one. Yeah. Right. Um, that's the one. Feminist philosopher Sarah Ruddick. Piano man Pine Top Perkins. Uh, Geraldine Ferraro. Oh, Geraldine. Yeah. 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 Uh, or artist George Tooker, who made one of my favorite paintings of the subway. His last mm-hmm. name is spelled T-O-O-K-E-R. Like like he's like a toker. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, great artist. Uh, TV super producer Sherwood Shorts. Creator of uh, Gilligan's Island and Brady Bunch. Did He, he uh-huh. did both of those, right? Yep. Okay, good. Yep. Yes. Yep. And Excellence in television right there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Gil Scott Heron. Peter Falk. Elizabeth Taylor. Oh. All right, those four. Those four. Okay. That's my. That's the dream blunt rotation wow. right there. Ma- Macho yeah. Man, Gil, uh, Columbo, and uh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Taylor. Elizabeth Taylor, yep. That would be a revolution right there. Uh, <laughs> yep. Detroit poet and performer David Blair, Amy Winehouse. Boo. Mm, I don't uh, like her going yeah. that soon. It makes me uh, so angry. Why so young? Don't. 
Matthew Don't Perry died in 2011. Mike, why you? <laughs> the federal judge, Jason. Yes, yes, I he know. was very important. All right, all right, all right. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see, graffiti writer Case Two, turtleneck model Steve Jobs, uh, journalist Tom Wicker, Irish comedian mm-hmm. Patrice O'Neill. <laughs> he was not Irish, but I think he you would appreciate not. that joke. I, I like that. Thank you, uh, Christopher Hitchens, Vaclav Havel, Michael Mann, and finally, the Anglican mm-hmm. prelate. Not the director. Yeah, the I knew. I, I, the, the jo- <laughs> I, I figured the gag out, Mike. I knew. I knew it wasn't the director of Heat and Thieves. Okay, good. Yes. Good. And finally, uh, the king, friend of the show, Sidney Lumet. Rest Hell in peace, yes. brother. Ah. Hell and yes. Wasn't this a king? Wasn't this like because uh, the movie came out that year too, right? It was not that year, but it was really close to that. It was like oh, I think it was actually oh seven because we got a little bit of of poke for not including it in the oh seven show, but this <laughs> is still very close. Uh, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, Sidney Lumet's last movie, uh, of course, uh, yeah. with with Ethan Hawke and Phil Seymour Hoffman and Marissa Tomei, and like if a twenty nine year old directed that movie, you like wouldn't it wouldn't look any different. Like he he went out. As, as tough and vibrant as he ever was. Uh, rest in peace, Sidney Lumet. So many people died in 2011 that there just wasn't any sports. We were just... Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Japan, they beat New Zealand. They beat Mexico. They beat Germany. They beat Sweden. And now they have beaten the overwhelming favorites, the United States of America, to become the best in the world. Except for there was one, there was a World Cup. It was held in Germany, of course, uh, of course. and it was won by the American women. Except for uh, the yay! last game, which they lost to Japan. But you can just not watch that one. We don't acknowledge Let's be that real. One. women. <laughs> we bleed red, Team white, USA blue. women always better than the men. Always, right. always, always right. perennial favorite. Bet on the women's. That's headlines. Thank you for the headlines, Mike. And now, <laughs> Kristen Meinzer, are you ready to do a top five? I am so ready. I'm so excited. All right. So we're going to do a ranked list uh, from the uh, fifth most favorite to the very favorite. Yes. So, Kristen, what is your number five? My number five is Martha Marcy May Marlene. Is this Martha? You look like a Marcy May. Marcy was my grandmother's name. This is Martha. Marcy May. Marlene. If you feel safe here, let us in. Martha! Marcy May. No. This is Martha. Marlene. Martha! You're a teacher. Marcy! And a leader. Marcy May! Now prove it. What happened? Marcy May. Who is this? Marlene. Let us in. Do we have to leave? Marcy May! Do we all have to leave? Where are you going? You look like a Marcy May. Martha. Marcy May. Marlene. Rated R. And select leaders October 21st. Starring not an Olsen twin, but an Olsen sister, Elizabeth Olsen, who is now, I would not even say arguably, but just is the biggest yeah. star of the Olsen family, right? Yeah. No, it is It is amazing how, like, when, when she first came through, and this was the breakthrough movie, that people were like, oh, she's the other Olsen yes. sister. And now it's like no one remembers the Olsen twins, but oh, she's Wanda Maxima Love. Yes. <laughs> she's everywhere. And one reason I love this movie is because I've always had a fascination with cults. How do people end up in them? Why would they want to join them? Uh, What is wrong with these people? This seems terrible. But I think that the movie does a good job of exploring the psychology around how someone might end up there, um, how somebody might not be able to just come back to reality and be amongst the rest of us if they leave, how they become psychologically programmed to see that as normal. And I, I, I think the movie is beautiful and haunting and strange and upsetting. And I like that it doesn't try to delve into the ideology of the leader or anything like that. Right. It's really just about what is her psychological experience of being pulled in and trying to pull out of it? This is the creepiest movie I've ever seen. <laughs> it's, I mean, every time you see a Manson family or a cult situation, somebody's yelling always. There's always at yes. some point oh, somebody yeah. yelling. And in this movie, nobody ever is yelling. Yeah. Even when they're like firing guns and murdering people and raping each other. And like everything is very quiet, is extremely controlled. And it's oh, like the, the sort of cumulative effect of it is the creepiest 
fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. Great movie. Great little film. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you liked it. I'm so glad you liked it. I mean, and a lot of that, too, is just the tremendous control of that John Hawks performance. Like, you know, he was sort of coming into prominence, I feel like, at the time that this came out. This was one of the first sort of showcase roles for him. Um, And it's interesting because he bears a physical resemblance to Charles Manson. Like, when you see pictures of Manson, especially standing next to anyone else, he was this little tiny scrawny oh, yeah. little wisp of a dude. Kind of hair and underweight and yeah, all those things. Playing yeah. his guitar. Yeah. yeah, and you're like, this, this, oh, that damn guitar. To his girls. You're not even good at playing the guitar. Stop acting like you're good at the guitar. You're not. <laughs> this movie is freaking me out. He was in, he was in <laughs> yeah. uh, Deadwood. He played he played Saul yes. in Deadwood, and you know he was always he was always really good, but the character was never sort the character never really stood out. You know he had a little run, he had a girlfriend yeah. for a while, so on and so forth. But there were so many you know Swidgen and all the other sort of characters around him were so colorful and 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 bright, and there was so much happening that he was always sort of you know, the fifth or sixth note on the scale, right? But in this movie, like, all he's sort of doing the same things, but he's really being featured, you know, he's really sort of driving the, the yeah. action in a way that that he just, I had never seen him do before. And handled yeah. it. No, just yeah. quiet menace. Yeah, quiet menace, just presence. It's a real presence in that performance. And in hers, too. Like, I, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not a big Marvel guy. Um, and so sometimes I get resentful when that machine sort of swallows mm-hmm. an actor that I really like. And I think she is tremendous in this movie. There's not a false note in this performance, um, to my eye. Um and I will also just say before we move on that uh, when I saw it, I first saw it at a New York Film Festival test screen or not test screening, a, a mm-hmm. press screening for the New York Film Festival. And the, the person from the festival who was introducing it said the title in a sing song way. She just said, so this is Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene. And now I that's always how I hear it in my head. And I've never forgotten the title. Everybody else fucks up the title whenever it comes up in conversation like the Martha Mary movie. I always get Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene. Okay, so thank you for for that one. Uh, Kristen, what is your number four movie for 20? My number four movie is Hysteria. What do you know of Hysteria? Nothing. But half the women in London are affected. It's a plague of our time. I have just been offered a position by London's leading specialist in women's medicine. Oh, no. I must find some way to attend to these women properly. I believe the French have had quite a bit of luck using their tongue. No, no. I want you to meet my daughter, Emily Dalrymple. Your servant, ma'am. I've no doubt that one day she would make a fine doctor's wife. Starring Maggie Gyllenhaal in... um, It's a historical kind of comedy drama about the creation of the vibrator as a medical device to cure hysteria, or I should say treat hysteria in women. And yes. as we all know, hysteria is when <laughs> our uterus is floating around our bodies, making us ladies crazy and impossible to deal yep. with. We're so uppity. Yep. And the only way to treat us is through <laughs> pelvic massage. But in this movie, you know, we realize this can cause like carpal tunnel syndrome and discomfort for the male physicians who are administering this uh, pelvic therapy. Sure. And so sure. we need a device to help with this, thus the vibrator to treat the hysteria. Um, and yeah. I just think the movie is delightful. It's uh, fun to see this this dumb, dumb medicine. It's kind of like, oh, we just need more leeches, sir. Bring in, <laughs> like, like yes. bloodlet these. Time yes, for bleeding. Like, like, yeah. It's just like, it, it's delightful to see questionable medicine. I've always been fascinated with that. I highly recommend people go to the Mutter Museum in Philadelphia if you also like questionable medical things. Um, Minnesota, <laughs> where I'm from, there is a museum of questionable medical devices. You can go to that as well. Nice. Um, but maybe it crosses over with my uh, interest in cults. It's just like, look at the way people have done things. Look at what people have been drawn to. Mm-hmm. Look at what people say will cure things. But um, I, I just find that Maggie Gyllenhaal in this movie in particular Ugh. is such a delight because she's the one raising her eyebrow a lot. She's frequently the one who's the voice of reason. Um, and she's yep. living life on her own terms, even if at the time people think she's not doing what she should. Shouldn't she be getting married? Shouldn't she be polite? Shouldn't she be soft-spoken? She's completely going against the the grain of what 
uh, once again, a woman is supposed to be and doing things her own way, working on behalf of, God forbid, poor people in the slums, you know, right. things like that. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's a little bit about class and it's a lot about sexuality and about womanhood. And so I, I just think it's yeah. a fun movie. It is. It is fun. And that's the thing that I think is, is sort of key and important, especially when you're recommending this, because when people look like I'm looking at the poster right now, you know, it's like period <laughs> British dress. It's like, oh, it's a British movie. It's so buttoned up and stuffy and so forth and so on. And you're like, no, this is a movie about sex yes. toys. Like this is not <laughs> the movie that it looks like on its face. Um, so I love that about it. I, lo I, I just now noticed as we were having our conversation, actually, uh, that Hugh Dancy was having quite a 2011 because he co-stars he plays the 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 dipshit doctor who's not as much of a dipshit as the others it turns <laughs> out um in this but he's also like the sort of concerned um sister's boyfriend i believe in martha Ma marcy may marley he's in he's in both oh of my these gosh films. i forgot about that yeah so shout out yeah. to you nancy um but the, this really is Maggie Gyllenhaal's show. Like this was, you know, I feel like almost the same kind of thing we're talking about with John Hawks, where like she had been sort of floating around in indie films for a while. She's always interesting. But this was one of the first movies that really sort of made me sit like bolt upright and be like, who is this? She has a quality that is that really carries through in a role yeah, like this. She's delightful. I like the feeling in this movie, too. That's like, oh, no, like I'm I'm feeling hysterical again. Like, uh, uh, well, I guess my uterus is <laughs> Oh gosh! Again. I know I was just in yesterday and the day before and the uh, yeah. day before, but this—I just—I can't get a hold of this hysteria. Need this, it's out of control. Right, I, it's interesting. <laughs> you started this off by saying by correcting the word "cure" to "treatment" of like, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> there is no cure, baby. You gotta treat. There's this no shit cure. I just have to be treated day. again and again and again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that, like, that feeling is Daily in the movie. Like treatment. that, you know. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. No, it's got a it's got a nice sly subversive spirit that I think really carries through, and I think also is just has a, quite a bit to do with the fact that it's directed by a woman. Ta Tanya Wexler was the director of this one, and it it, it is the the female gaze is present as yes, we would say. Yes. <laughs> All right, Kristen, what is your number three movie for twenty? My number three movie is Bad Teacher. Who has the answer to my question? You, Chubbs. Um. Eh. When I first started teaching, I thought that I was doing it for all the right reasons. Shorter hours, summers off, no accountability. The rules of teaching are about to be tested. What? LeBron will never be Jordan. Kobe will never be Jordan. Carmelo will never be Jordan. LeBron's a better rebounder and passer. Call me when LeBron has six championships. That's your only argument? It's the only argument I need, Sean! And in the title role, we have Cameron Diaz, who is indeed a very bad teacher. All she does is show film strips or videos to her kids. I should say videos, not film strips. Film strips is like my grade school sure, days. But sure. <laughs> uh, she, she just shows videos to the kids. She smokes pot. She gets drunk at work. She's just, you know, oh, toning yeah. down the days till she can marry her rich boyfriend and never have to lift a finger again. That doesn't turn out as planned. And she has to continue teaching and how is she going to continue teaching when she hates this? Oh, maybe by uh, maintaining some interest in a handsome new coworker played by right. uh, Justin Timberlake. Maybe, maybe that'll help out. Maybe right. by sabotaging some other teachers. Maybe by trying to find ways to get money in um, unsavory ways by, you know, taking some money from the school funds and using that money for herself. So she's a very bad right. person. She's a very bad teacher. And she is just a joy to watch. And this is a role we normally only get to see men, you know, have. Just right. being, despic right. being despicable, being sexually, you know, maybe not, not the most well-behaved, <laughs> embezzling all right. of the things that she does. Um, I, I can say this, my co-host of Movie Date at the time, Rafer Guzman, he hated this movie. He was just like, I just find it so tasteless. And I'm like, you find this tasteless and yet you love all all right. of right. the Fast and Furious movies, but you think this is tasteless? Hangover 2 really? came out this year, bro. Like, come on. <laughs> like, this is yeah. like this is four or five people being, come on now. Yeah. Yeah, and I just think that women don't normally get to be this tasteless, and I loved it. I'm like, right. you go on and you be terrible. Be tasteless. Be yeah. tacky. <laughs> no, I mean, 
I feel like this is a bit, you know, this is still weirdly, it feels like, I don't know, maybe we're, we're starting to move past this conversation, but it feels like they're really, we really have had this period where, you know, uh, in, in both big and small screen comedies where the sort of the curmudgeon, the, the, the asshole, the, uh, the ne'er do well, if you will, is a totally allowable male archetype. But when uh, you cast a woman in a role like that, where she's, you know, going to move into some of those directions, it's somehow sort of controversial and a feeling like, no, she can't be unlikable. You know, the question of like, likability sort of stopped being asked of male comedy leads quite some time ago. But like, you can't imagine, you know, a female version of Larry David uh, fronting a TV show mm-hmm. now. Um, we're maybe starting to move towards that in some sort of, you know, uh, fringe stuff. But like, I remember a big conversation when the Mindy project came out and it was like, well, how, how selfish are we really going to let her be? Oh, Cause she still way. has to be, <laughs> yeah, she yeah. should, you should, you know? And I think that's, that's what's sort of thrilling about this performance that, that it's not just that Cameron Diaz, you know, is, is interested in playing a character who is in uh, a very retrograde sort of thinking unlikable, but that she also resists the urge to like soften any of those edges that she plays her as a brat and plays her as crooked and, uh, and kind of goes all the way with the characterization. I think, you know, there's, that's, that's an accomplishment. And in yet itself. I want her to get away with everything. <laughs> <laughs> yes, It's not one as of those cases where I'm watching her and I'm like, how am I still watching this? despicable person right i knew why i was still right. watching her because i enjoyed the ride oh, yeah. and i was cheering for her to get away yeah. with crap absolutely and i think a huge part of that just has to do with like her own charisma yes. like you're she's just she's she's a movie star in a really classical traditional sense and that's fun when a, when a, when a movie star who we're used to sympathizing with is playing an unsympathetic character that can that can really give a little bit of extra juice to what's happening on oh, yeah. screen and i think she very much succeeds at it she's so good in this yeah yeah. To that end, I would say that the number two movie on your list uh, takes that notion and pushes it e- even delightfully further and in a more subversive direction. Uh, Kristen, what is your number two movie for 20? My number two movie is Young Adult. Are you writing in there? I'm the author. I'm just signing it. The series is done. Whatever, book man. Well, come on. People here seem so happy with so little. Everyone wishes that they could be like you. Living in the big city, famous and beautiful and all that. Whoa. Buddy Slade and I are meant to be together, and I'm here to get him back. He's married with a kid on the way. No, kid's here. I'm cool with it. I mean, I've got baggage, too. Young Adult. Rated R. In theaters December 16th. Starring Charlize Theron as a small-town Minnesota 30-something gal who has been living in the big city, Minneapolis, uh, through her adult (laughs) years. She's been uh, ghost writing uh, uh, children's books or young adult novels. Young adult novels, novels. She's uh, successful, but she, by her small town standards, is probably considered in some ways not successful. She's not married. She doesn't have any kids. Um, And I really felt drawn to this character, partly as um, a former Minnesotan, partly because... <laughs> I yeah. was going to say, you have a geographic oh, connection, yeah. I certainly. moved to the big city, only I moved to New York. Um, I, I started in Minneapolis. Yeah. Kudos. Um, and, uh, you know, Charlize Theron is only a few years older than me, so I think I saw myself also in that. And just the idea that you can do things that are successful in one realm, and then you can go back home and nobody cares, <laughs> right? Nobody yeah. thinks it's a big deal. Yeah. But then also the fact that she's not totally past that. She goes back there and there are things that she still wishes she had there. You know, there is that old high school boyfriend. Well, And, and that all yeah. of those. Yeah. All of those like sort of high school insecurities just like flood right back to her in a really. Yeah. Way. And what does she do with that? Not nice things. What does she do with her insecurity? <laughs> she doesn't take the high ground. She doesn't take ownership of her own accomplishments to feel good. No, she just gets petty. She gets mean. She uh, is. She's diabolical. She's really, really terrible. But I like that she's so committed to being terrible. And we get to see men do this once again in the movies. Like I I sometimes compare this to Manhattan. So Woody Allen at the end of Manhattan. Spoiler if you have not seen Manhattan. And sorry if you hate Woody Allen. I, I totally understand if you hate him. There are reasons to. But at the end of Manhattan, 
he kind of has the choice. Can I continue to be this despicable person? Um, or can I turn a corner and be something better? No, I'm still going to be despicable. <laughs> and and I kind of think that's what our character in Young Adult does too. Um, just, you know, there are choices that you can make that are better choices. No, nah, not going to make those choices. <laughs> I'm just going to keep being like this. <laughs> No, I'm going to, I'm going to say like spoiler warning or whatever. If you, you know, this it's 12 years, folks, like get around to seeing young adult. Um, but I really do think that like you to, to talk about why young adult is so great. You have to like dig into that ending the way that, that we're, that we're sort of about to, because that to me is the moment that it goes from being a good movie to a great one. Um, and I have a very vivid memory, first of all, of seeing the movie and like, they set it all up. Like, it's going to be a redemption mm-hmm. arc. Like, she goes to bed that night, if memory serves, and, like, has decided to 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 change the way she is and to change her life. And then she wakes up the next morning. She has that conversation at the, you know, the breakfast table where she's like, nah, I think I'm just going to kind of stay the way I am. <laughs> and and then the movie ends. And it's, like, such a subversive oh, thing I to do. It. And I, I love it. And I was... I remember like mouth agape when I'm watching the movie for the first time uh, that I couldn't believe that they went that way, that they like they went with the the realistic but non-sentimental ending. The next day I went to a press junket for it and Jason Reitman, the director, was there and someone asked about this and he said the ending is the reason I did the movie. Oh, yeah. Like when I read the script, you know, this incredible Diablo Cody screenplay, which for my money, like she she won the Oscar for Juno, which is not a movie I hate, but the Oscar worthy screenplay is Oh, is I totally agree with like you. It's, it's an, a better movie. It's an incredible, yeah. incredible script. Uh, but he said, like, when I read that in the script, I said, oh, I'm doing this movie because of this. Um, and it, it, to sort of just fly in the, you know, to to thumb your nose, to put your to put your thumb in the eye of cinematic convention this broadly, I think, is is admirable, um, especially when you're talking about what was, you know, not a low budget indie. This was like a paramount release. This was like, you know, the follow up, their their collective, you know, him and Cody's follow up yeah, to Juno. Like, this Pat, was kind Pat of a big Oswald movie. In this. I mean, yeah, Patrick Wilson's yes, great in it. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that decision is what makes the movie. It's what makes it. I, I know a lot of people um, didn't like that ending. That's not what they were hoping for. But Oh, it's such a delicious surprise. And and it's great that she just sticks with her guns. Be you. Be you and be terrible. Go for it. And is she That's really right. that terrible? That's right. Maybe. Maybe not. She might not even maybe, be that terrible. So. <laughs> <laughs> Who are we to judge, Kristen? Who are we to judge? All right. So with all of that, then, we've arrived at the peak of the mountain. What is your number one movie of 2011? It has got to be bridesmaids i'm engaged what please join us to celebrate the marriage of lillian donovan and douglas price i was thinking las vegas disney i need a trip that i can fantasize forever so that i'm able to have sex with my husband this dress is eight hundred dollars it's on sale you're okay you know there's something about you that sticks this wedding has to be like remember all your life special She's not going to forget that. <laughs> Bridesmaids. Rated R. There we go. I love Bridesmaids. I'm sure everybody listening to the show has already seen Bridesmaids. Hopefully you've seen it many times, as I have. Um, <laughs> but um, in case you haven't, it is the story of a woman in her 30s who things are not going her way. The recession wiped out her small business that she had. Her boyfriend is a jerk who really just, you know, he does the sup thing, you know, like, you know, texting her in the middle of the night just Mm because he wants to get laid. She doesn't (laughs) really have the best roommate situation or work situation or Mm -hmm. any situation in life. And then the bright shining star in her life, her best friend, uh, gets married. And this should be a joyous time for her because she gets to be in this wedding and celebrate love with her friend. But nope, it just brings out more and more insecurities in her. And uh, lunacy and uh, some gross-out humor and a lot of heart follow. And I I just love this movie for showing with great kindness all of the ways that we can be hard on ourselves and all the ways that maybe we're not alone, even if we think we are. What a lovely, yeah. Yeah, what a lovely so. button on a, on a bridesmaid's review. 
That is not the way most <laughs> yeah. people wrote about yeah. that movie or talked about. But that's right. Like that's really yeah, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, it's a prof- dealing with a professional here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember it was such a big deal when this movie came out. Um, it was almost seen like, you know, like a political act that you like had to go uh, opening weekend and you had to support this movie because it was such a rarity. Like it was such a huge, big deal that like women didn't open comedies like that was the that was the the conventional wisdom or the thing that was supposedly keeping more female fronted comedies uh, feature film comedies from being made was that, you know, there were like two or three failures and that's all they need to like stop giving money to people. And the idea being that, you know, no, there's there are stories to be told here. There there are uh there's an audience out there for this sort of thing women don't just want to go see you got mail <laughs> you know they want to see like the rowdy you know Judd Apatow produced this and it was very much you know pr- uh put out on his name because he had had the big success with these rowdy men movies you know with with knocked up and 40 year old virgin and producing super bad and that kind of thing and so it was it was i mean do you remember this like what a what a big sort of drumbeat it was like you had to go show your support yeah and then the surprise of like oh i'm not doing this out of obligation i'm doing this because it's fantastic right this is so good right. and i would argue better than a lot of those other apatow movies um it had better character development, in my opinion, overall, even the supporting characters. And let's not forget yep. Melissa McCarthy. This was her breakout role. Thanks to this movie, we this also her- got Spy. We also got The Heat. We also yes. got so many other Melissa McCarthy vehicles. Uh, she's just, yep. to me, she's the breakout star of this movie. And not just because she's rowdy and uh, ridiculous. Her character has so much heart and brings out the empathy and heart yep. for other characters in this movie, too. Yeah. No, it's a really good. I mean, first of all, the ensemble cast is is terrific. Like, I love Ellie Kemper in it. Wendy McCovey is great in it. Um, uh, Rose Byrne is so funny and so <laughs> she's the so worst, mean, but also great at being the worst. Right. Right. <laughs> but you know that that it's that you know it's it's Apatow producing and encouraging and doing the thing that he did, which I think is one of the most valuable things he's done as a producer, which is to see talented comic performers and to encourage them to write for themselves. Like this is what he did with Seth Rogen. This is what he did with Jason Siegel. And he did it with Kristen Wiig. He said, look, you are a funny person. You know yourself better than it. Go write your movie and I'll help you get it made. You know, and her and Annie Mumlo write it together. And then Paul Feig comes in and directs it. And he's such a good director with women. Like, you know, Heat and Spy, which are the other my other two favorites of, of Melissa McCarthy movies, are not coincidentally things that he also directed uh, he also as well. He did a simple favor it's, too, which is so good. Yes, yeah. he sure did. Yes, he sure did. And then, of course, if, I mean, as long as we're sending people down other rabbit holes, if you've somehow not seen Barb and Star go to this <laughs> Del Mar, oh. uh, also also written by Kristen Wiig and Annie Mumlo and starring both of them, uh, it's a must-see. It's, I, I don't hesitate to call it a must-see. My heart, I love it so much. <laughs> All right. Well, this is a wonderful top five. Uh, it was a blast to revisit these. And you know what? Any opportunity I have to yell at people to watch Young Adult, I will take. So thank you, Kristen, for that. And now, a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service dedicated to elevating great cinema from around the globe. From iconic directors to emerging auteurs, there's always something new to discover. And with Mubi, each and every film is hand-selected, so you can explore the best of cinema streaming anytime anywhere. So for example, this week if you're looking to watch a little something from 2011 I would recommend The Turin Horse It is a movie about what happened to the guy that was whipping the horse that drove Friedrich Nietzsche insane and it's such a weird story that you could only make a movie this weird about it. Good movie. What about you? Uh, I will double up first of all on Turin Horse uh, uh, All Hell Belletar Uh I don't even know if I'm saying the name right. But I am going to take this opportunity to recommend uh, the great Lynn Ramsey's We Need to Talk About Kevin, which is uh, an incredible Tilda Swinton performance, a, a, a terrific and mostly dramatic John C. Riley performance. And most importantly, this was the movie that was telling us over a decade ago that was warning us about Ezra Miller. So uh, it's... It's just uh, a, a, a there's there there are very few films in recent memory that have just built and 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 maintained dread 
for the entirety of a running time the way that we need to talk about Kevin has. So that's uh, that's another really solid pick from from. They also have the amateur wrestling documentary on there from oh, 2011. Dude, I, yeah, dude, and and melancholia. There's a lot of good. Mo- anyway, yeah, yeah, the movies that we're always yeah. whinging about that nobody makes anymore. They do apparently, and they're all on movie. Yeah, you can try movie free for 30 days at movie.com/slash a very good year. That's M-U-B-I.com/slash a very good year, all one word. For one month of great cinema for free. Free! And now, let's find out what films were winning trophies and making money in 2011. Here's Mike with awards and box office. Sell out with me, oh yeah, sell out with me tonight. Best picture, best director, Michel Hazanavicius. <laughs> Good shot, <laughs> Good try. Well, yeah. Best actor, Jean Dujardin. The artist. So, uh, how do you feel about the artist? I still think it's bananas that that movie, like, you know, we can explain to the young people today, there was once a time, uh, the silent movie, which is not very good, was considered very good for some reason. (laughs) This is not like Charlie Chaplin level. This is not City Lights. Right. It's just a gimmick, in my opinion. It's it's not the best movie period and it's certainly not the best silent movie yeah no i i i at the time i you know i didn't dislike it i thought i had a pleasant time watching it i forgot about it immediately i haven't (laughs) thought of it since and i find it really interesting that very that neither the best director nor the best actor have gone on to do too much of consequence since they won these oscars mike what else won hey uh best actress went to meryl streep for the iron lady mostly to the wigs the wigs (laughs) it was Wig and makeup show, baby. I like Meryl. This is I don't I don't even think Meryl thinks this is one of her best performances. <laughs> Let's not forget she also had teeth though. Remember they put teeth in her. There were teeth. Oh, there were teeth. Yes. There were teeth. <laughs> those and this teeth, this movie those was teeth deserved an award. I don't know if Meryl did. I don't know <laughs> a Razzie <laughs> movie was way too fucking nice to Margaret Thatcher, a terrible human being. That too. Best supporting actor went to Christopher Plummer for Beginners. Great little film. I love Beginners. That is a wonderful movie. I thought it was okay. In my humble opinion. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> but not not but as it, good as, as his follow up, Twentieth Century Women. But I liked Beginners quite a bit and thought Christopher Plummer. I thought was he great. was very very good in the movie. I did. I actually thought both the actors yeah. were really good in the movie. I just. I think I just wanted more out of that story than what I was given. That's yeah. fair. I know That's Viola fair. Davis has said that she regrets doing the help because, you know, the whole thing is from this little white girl's perspective. But I bet Octavia Spencer doesn't regret it. She got a Best Supporting Actress for the movie. All, you know what? Uh, problems with the help She's aside. If, you know what? If it got Octavia her Oscar, that's fine. Give, I'm, give Octavia all the Oscars for everything. Sh- yeah. Also, she's very go. good in the movie, and the character is very aggressive and outspoken and nasty with the white lady to begin with. And it's not, you know, this is not a sort of, you know, the, talking about the movie in general, that performance and that character um, has autonomy and has agency and is, you know, um, yeah, she's very good. In a bad movie. I, I've sat down like, I ain't watching this bullshit-ass movie. I just driving this daisy-ass <laughs> shit. And my wife was like, no, it's good, blah, blah, you know, with your Twitter nonsense, watch the movie, you know, right? And, I mean, for real, like, you get to the end of the movie, and I was heavily invested. <laughs> you know, problems. And it's Octavia Spencer and Viola Davis that do that for you. Yeah, absolutely. Right, and right, I'm totally. I'm not saying I don't enjoy the movie. I'm just saying it's a problem, too. It's worth reading Viola's thoughts on it. Yes. Um, She's got a lot of great things to say about it being one of the most wonderful sets and groups of uh, people she's ever worked with in her life. And she loved everybody she worked with. But yes, read what she also said about the movie itself. (laughs) Best Adapted Screenplay went to Alexander Payne, Nat Nat Faxon, and Jim Rash for The Descendants. Good movie. It was fine. (laughs) (laughs) did you find you some hawaiian critics to to read about that movie they got opinions i know Uh, best original screenplay went to woody allen for midnight in paris his last uh his last great movie i would i would i would argue pretty convincingly um 
I, but I did really like so it. So far. Okay, okay. That ship has <laughs> sailed, buddy. That ship has sailed. Best animated film went to Rango. I love Rango. Great movie. Kristen, have you seen Rango? I'm trying to remember. Is Gore Verbinski a- directed it with Johnny Depp as a little reptile. It's like a little like animated Chinatown. Oh, that's yeah. right. Oh, my <laughs> yeah. God. I don't know where it went in my brain, but yes, Delightful. of course I saw that. Delightful. Of course I did. Best foreign language film went to a separation. I never saw that one. Farhadi, baby. Yes. I think his best film. And I've seen, I think, all of them. It's it's a real, I mean, morality play writ large. It's really good. And the best documentary went to Undefeated. Remember Undefeated, Kristen? It was the the high school football documentary. It was very good. Yeah. If if I remember correctly. Oh, yes, yes. This was the time when we started talking yes. about football, too. <laughs> yeah. The issues yeah, yeah, of yeah. football. I'm not just talking about like, yeah, yeah let's cheer for football. We started talking about football. As yeah. Like, mm, yeah. Football. As we move into the <laughs> other award winners, I just want to point out, like, you really, this is a hell of a year. Like, I was really struck when we were doing the research for this, like, deep bench of really good movies. Like, those were the Oscar winners, and they're kind of underwhelming. But some of these ones that were picking up Golden Globes and BAFTAs and things like that were even better. There was a lot of good stuff this year. Golden Globe for Best Director to Martin Scorsese for Hugo. I do Great love movie. Hugo. I did <gasps> not like the uncanny oh, no. valley of that. Okay. <laughs> the uncanny valley. <laughs> It just makes me so, oh, makes me want to like put my fist through a plate glass window. (laughs) No, wait, are you thinking of Tintin? No, Hugo Hugo was animated. No, Hugo was live action, live action 3D. Oh, no, you're right. Oh, my God. Does this have Borat in it? Yes, it does. And (laughs) little Chloe Grace Moretz and Ben Kingsley. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. You're right. I'm confusing them. But this also made me want to put my fist through a plate glass window. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah. Sorry. That's fine. All Sorry, right. That's yeah. Fine. That's fine. <laughs> Golden Globe for Best Actress, Musical or Comedy, I guess, went to Michelle Williams for My Week with Marilyn. Like, it's a fine... Hilarious! <laughs> like, it's a riot. fine performance, but why is that in the musical or comedy category? <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Golden Globe for Best Animated <laughs> Film went to The Adventures of Tintin. Which, again, I, I liked and Kristen wanted to put her yep. foot through a plate glass window. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's amazing I somehow got those two confused no, with each no, other. No, it was, it was a new Hollywood feeling. director doing a family movie. That's actually very, very, yeah. <laughs> very much in common there. I liked that one too, but not as much as Hugo. BAFTA for Best Foreign Language Film went to The Skin I Live In. Great movie. Aha, Moldovar. Um, oh, yes, that's The Mad right. Scientist movie with Antonio Banderas. Yes. Twisted. I love I loved The Skin He's I Live He's always twisted. Yeah. I love that yeah. about him. <laughs> Yeah. All I want to say about the skin I live in is that um, at the New York Film Festival press screening, I left before the Q&A, walked through the door and found myself this close, face to face with Antonio Banderas. And folks, <gasps> the film, the, the the lens does not lie. That is a handsome fucking man. That's all I have to say. <laughs> oh, I believe about it. That. I believe it. OK, only one more. And then I'm going to the uh, the, the top 10. Beach all Rhymes right. in Life. The Travels of a uh-huh. Tribe Called Quest won Best Documentary at the Producers Guild of America. And that might not be a big, huge award, but that was a good movie. That is, I'm really glad producers even knew who they yes, were. Yes, exactly. Good for Mike, them. do one more, the one after that, because I think uh, I think Kristen does have thoughts on that. Oh, Palm d'Or at Cannes went to the Tree of Life. Oh, oh, I'm shaking my fist at the sky. <laughs> this, is, this is a movie that I wanted to get my money back for. And then I found out the cinema had a big sign by the ticket window saying yes. no refunds allowed or exchanges for Tree of Life. Wow. Oh. So you weren't the first one. I'm like, please let me see anything else other than this movie. Please let me exchange this ticket. I know not, I know we have uh, I know one super fan of the show at least where Tree of Life is his favorite movie. So I will just pipe up and say uh, it's not my favorite movie, and I, I I I do not dislike it as much as Kristen. I just I don't know why the dinosaurs were in there, and I know there's an explanation, but I don't know why the dinosaurs are we in there. You're a mere blip. I prefer. That's, <laughs> That's all that matters, and I'm going to tell I you like, over the course of six hours why you're just. I a blip. like my Malik, but not with words, like just with slow motion. Early, I like early Malik. That's the Malik <laughs> period that I like. Okay, see this um, this I feel, this show we we need more. I feel like we've gotten a little too like that movie's amazing. Oh, I love that movie. Of course, that's an amazing movie. We, I think we need more. Uh, we need more. Like, yeah, fist through a fucking plate glass window in this in this show. All right, barrel through this top ten, Mike, because I will tell you. And I, Chris, this I looked it up. You are our twenty eighth show. 
Ooh. This is the worst fucking top 10 I've ever seen in <laughs> in 28 shows. The 28 years we've covered, no top 10 is, is even close to this shitty. There are What? You don't just like sequels? I, be- I thought you loved sequels. <laughs> I'm going to say, I believe there are two movies on here that I would deem watchable watchable <laughs> and I'll, I'll 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 tell you i'll i'll pipe up when i hit those uh uh i'll be quiet on the rest and then any of these that you have thoughts on please 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 throw them in here we go T- top 10 of the worst year uh, box office we've ever covered here we go 10 cars 2 that's the <clears throat> uh, number nine was the smurfs mm-hmm. number oh, eight was the hangover part two Yep, sure was. Number seven was uh, Fast Five. Yep, that's that. Number six was Kung Fu Panda <laughs> 2. Nope, no thank you. Uh, Number five was, holy shit, this is getting hard. Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Good movie. Good movie. He's climbing that big, tall fucking building, and he almost falls down. Good movie. That's one I, of the I like two. the Mission Impossible movies, but I can't tell them apart at this point, so I, I couldn't this, even tell Kristen, you Kristen, this is the one where he climbs the tall building. You see, I just, I explained it. You don't remember that? He, he climbed, climbed a building. A, Do you remember the, that? The, 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 the really, the tallest building in the world, and it was terrifying, and I saw it in IMAX, and I wanted to wet my pants. Here we go. Number four. <laughs> number four, Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn, part one. There's so mm-hmm. much punctuation in that title. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Number three. A <laughs> lot, lot of colons, a lot, lot of M dashes in the, in the top ten this year. Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Number two, Transformers, Dark of the Moon. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And number one. Not Dark Side of the Moon, just to be clear. (laughs) Just Dark of the Moon. Number one, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, part two. So much punctuation. (laughs) That one, that one I would say is the other watchable one. Uh, I'm not a huge Harry Potter person, especially these days, but I do. I did see that and found myself occasionally uh, moved by. Do you, do, Kristen, any of any of these top ten, any of these films that you enjoy? Um, like I said, I I tend to enjoy the Mission Impossible movies, but they're so interchangeable. Yes. I couldn't tell you which one is which. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will, in retrospect, say the Twilight Saga movies. I can laugh about them at least. That's they're something. so stupid and ridiculous. And I think if you approach the Twilight Saga movies in particular as comedies, yeah. there there is fun that can be had. There's certainly like, certainly more laughs in that than there were in The Hangover Part Two. All right, oh, dude. All the that theaters, was brutal. That was all terrible. the theaters in the country, they ran out of the number twos for their marquees. <laughs> they ran out of the little eyes. <laughs> they ran out of lowercase I mean, l's. They just ran out of that shit. Kristen joked, but this in this top 10 list, this is a new like record, I think. Literally one movie on this list is not a sequel, and that's The Smurfs, which is like a film version of an 80s Saturday morning cartoon, so it's not exactly like a model of originality anyway. <laughs> um, there were other good films this year, but they the, the movies that people went out in droves to see were all things that they were extremely familiar with. Now that we've gone through that top 10 list, it kind of makes your top five feel miraculous <laughs> in a way. Yes. I, I mean, I would say most people would probably, if they just looked at 2011, think it they, they would think it was a shit year for good reason. Right. But I, I don't think it was a shit year. I just think like big box office was yep. shit. But there were all these beautiful gems that didn't get a lot of love that deserved love. Agreed. Agreed. Mm. All right, Kristen, you ready for a lightning round? Yes. All right, you know how it works. We're going to put five minutes on the big clock. I'm going to hit you with a title, say anything you want and or, or pass, and we will move on. And here we go. Melancholia from Lars von Trier. The overall theme of that movie is I'm depressed, and that makes me better than you. Next. <laughs> Three movies that I am shocked were not in the top 10 for the year. Kenneth Branagh's Thor. <laughs> what, I, what, I'm sorry. I was going to make a bad pun, but it doesn't work. <laughs> what, what, what Thor? No, um, I, I, have, I have nothing to say. Go ahead. Next Cap, one. <laughs> Captain Avenger, the first, or Captain America, the first Avenger came out in 2011. Oh my God! I I liked the first Captain America. 
I thought it was magical and almost like the Rocketeer, which I also love. Very loved. true. X-Men First Class in 2011. I don't remember anything about that because all the X-Men just kind of blend together for me. I really don't know. Yeah. Puss in Boots was released in 2011. I haven't seen that. Is it good? Am I the only one who still laughs at the word puss? <laughs> it sounds so naughty. Okay, next. J- the Jason Segel penned and co-starred reboot of The Muppets. Oh, this was actually a complete photocopy of a Muppet movie that existed as a TV special at one point. And so did Jason Siegel really write it or did he just lift it? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Two very similar films released in this year featuring the twinned co-stars of Black Swan. We saw No Strings Attached and Friends with Benefits came out in 2011. Yeah, it's like Hollywood discovered this thing called consensual sex when I want it (laughs) was happening. And they had never heard of that before. Oh, my God. Sometimes people just consensually want to have sex, not a relationship. Imagine that. Yep. Uh, Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston in Just Go With It. Oh, my gosh. This was long before their murder mystery days. And now, look, Murder Mystery 2 is about to come out on Netflix. Yep. These two, they, they're they pure money, right? Money. Adam Sandler and Adam Sandler in Jack and Jill. <laughs> we don't need to talk about that. Next. Crazy Stupid Love. Crazy Stupid Movie. Next. <laughs> Horrible Bosses. <laughs> you know... Horrible Bosses, that is another movie where a woman gets to be a problem and be despicable, right? Jennifer Aniston, not so likable in that movie, Um, but still Jennifer Aniston. David Fincher's take on the girl with the dragon tattoo. Oh, God. It's so rapey. It's so gratuitously (laughs) rapey. I just, I mean, we need to root for her, but do we need to see all that beforehand? I was going to cheer for her anyway without that happening. Fair enough. Uh, Attack the Block was released in 2011. Oh, my God. I don't remember Attack the Block. Should I remember Attack the Block? It's a pretty good one. It's pretty good. Uh, Kerry Fukunaga's take on Jane Eyre. (gasps) I love all Jane Eyre stuff. You know what I love about Jane Eyre? In the novels, in most of the adaptations, they make it clear from the get-go. My name is Jane, and I am not pretty. (laughs) And I'm all about not pretty protagonists. Let's do it. Men get to be not pretty all the time. More not pretty women in the lead. Yeah. Matt Damon and Emily Blunt in the Adjustment Bureau. (laughs) I don't really remember that. It kind of blends in with a bunch of other like Matt Damon stuff for me. I I know I saw it, but I just don't remember. J.J. Abrams, Super 8. Oh, Super 8. It was kind of like a tribute to Steven Spielberg, Mm -hmm. but also completely forgettable for me. I don't really. Yeah. (gasps) I'm like, I'm like, that was a good tribute, I guess. Now I'm going to go to a bar. Yeah. Matthew McConaughey as the Lincoln Lawyer. Oh, that's a TV show now. It, it must have been good if they made it a TV show. <laughs> that never happens. They never make a TV show out of a no. bad movie. <laughs> Ryan Gosling in Drive. I actually like Drive. I thought it was pretty yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I also think Ryan Gosling is very likable. And when I've met him in real life, I had the same experience you did with, uh, uh, Benicio, or who was it that you saw? Antonio Banderas. Antonio Banderas. I was like, you are a good man. <laughs> I'll bet. I'll bet. <laughs> D. Reese's Pariah was released in 2011. Oh, Pariah. Not Piranha? No. <laughs> Darn it. I wish we were talking about Piranhas. I like Piranhas. Sorry. Okay. Uh, Michael, Fa- Michael Fassbender in Shame. Remember I this big rem- controversy? Ooh. I don't remember that. All right. It was probably dirty and moralistically questionable correct yum um michael shannon and jessica chastain and take shelter oh yes oh this was all a part of these apocalypse things that were happening at the time that and melancholia right yes very much so and finally uh seth rogan and joseph gordon levitt in 50 50 ah yeah the continuation of the bromance that I feel like the bromance was on its final legs during that time, and that was one of them. How All dare right. you leave out that we was... bought a zoo? How dare oh, you? How dare I'm you? Sorry. <laughs> I did forget we bought a zoo. Uh, Kristen, oh, thank thoughts... you so much for leaving that out. <laughs> <laughs> Big year for zoos. I don't want to just be mean on this show. <laughs> Zookeeper <laughs> with uh, with Kevin James also came out the years. A big big year for zoos at the movies. Um, mm. All right. Kristen, where can people follow you on social media? 
You can follow me on Instagram at K10Minzer. That's K10Minzer on Twitter at Kristen Minzer. Or you can just go to my website, which is KristenMinzer.com. And if people wanted to start, you know, just putting your shows into their uh, their podcast rotation, you know, where should they start? What's 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 the most pure uncut Kristen of the many podcasts I listed at the beginning of the show? Well, take a listen to How to Be Fine. That's my newest show. And on that, my co-host Jolenta and I do a deep dive each episode into something that is happening in the wellness industry that crosses over into cults. It crosses over into influencers. It crosses over into Jordan Peterson and all beef diets. It goes into a lot of different directions. And then we uh, offer some advice to advice seekers on the show as well. So that is a good place to start where you can hear some of our cultural criticism and some snide remarks along the way. Beautiful. We love both of those things in pretty much equal measure. Uh, (laughs) And now we're going to throw it to our friend W. Axel Foley for a quick PSA for you, the listener. Head on over to your favorite podcasting app. Give us a star, a rate, a review. Give us a written review and tell us that you love us because that's what lets people know that we're here. All right. I am Jason Dash Bailey on Twitter, Fun City Cinema on Instagram, Mike. Brainwash Lib on Twitter. And I should mention that we are now also on Substack, a very good year.substack.com. Uh, right now you'll find just the podcast and show notes, but stay tuned for some extra goodies for paid subscribers starting in June. Mike, before we go, what is your favorite movie of 2011? Uh, I got to make a quick recommendation first for a documentary called Kumare, which is it's spelled with a K, K-U-M-A-R-E. It's kind of the closest thing we have to a modern Marjo. Where this dude, like, okay. he's an Indian guy who actually, I kind of, we have we had friends in common was how I, I ran into this movie. But he basically ma- becomes a, a guru. He becomes an Indian guru. And it's just all bullshit, you know? And it's like, it's it's <laughs> it's it made me think, uh, like, it was thinking about, you know, how to be fine and sort of, like, listening to some of your stuff. My friend Derek, who's part of that circle, runs the Conspirituality podcast. And so, like, this idea of this sort of you know, the loose talk in that world and how you can like take a picture of yourself and pretend like you're levitating and people will fucking give you money for some reason. (laughs) Anyway, Kumari, good, really, really good movie came out in 2011. But my favorite movie of 2011 is Jiro Dreams of Sushi, which I mean, Uh, I feel like was a very, got a lot of sort of press and a lot of love when it came out. Um, And it is better than you remember. I mean, even yeah. if you remember it as being wonderful, it's 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 a movie about an old guy in Japan who makes sushi. But it is a movie about like why life is worth living and loving. Yes. And, no, you that, know. Yeah. No, that was a big thing. Like, I remember when it came out, it was like, oh, it's the foodie movie of the year. And like, I feel like the, you know, the sort of the, the food element of it and how it'll make you want to go eat sushi. Like, I feel like all of that was really hyped a lot, mm-hmm. but it really made me think a lot about like life and work and how much of your life you give to your work and how you find that balance and how you find happiness in your work. And I don't know, like, especially as someone who was sort of just coming out of grad school at that moment, there was a lot to think about. It's about how to live, dude. I mean, it's a wonderful movie. Anyway, what is your favorite movie of 2011? Mine is, as it was on December 31st, 2011, Steven Soderbergh's Contagion. Yes. Uh, A relentlessly (laughs) entertaining fucking menacing thrill ride i love that he that he goes he it's one of these movies it's like i almost love him best when he goes in um with sort of setting the bar low and he went in saying no i just want to make like an Irwin allen movie i just want to make like a, an all-star disaster movie but yet it is so tense and so well acted and so beautifully assembled and like the score is incredible and then and then 10 years later, it became like reality. Well, and so you that remember was fun. In the, like two weeks of lockdown before Tiger King, everybody got on Tiger King. Everybody rewatched Contagion. You remember? And it yeah. was like, yes. oh, this movie absolutely holds up. <laughs> this that yes. movie fucking rips. I love Contagion. I always, always will. All right. I also just love watching Gwyneth Paltrow be really gross and <laughs> Yes, yes. And I'm just like, this is somebody who normally is very pretty in everything she does, very polished. Even when she's messy, she still looks like mm-hmm. she could be in vogue. Yeah. She doesn't look like no. she could be in vogue in this movie. She, she looks gross. She's in just that covered movie. in her own vomit. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah. Oh God. Thank you again, Kristen. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Jason. And thank you for listening. 
It was a very good year.